0: You're listening to SportsNet today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960
1: The Fan. Alright, this hour coming at you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Track Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation, contact basement systems. They're all things basement, even at DLBasementSystems.com. Hour one in the books, lots on the flames and the Preds from last night, including the Jonathan Huberto benching. Also had a chat with our fantasy football guru, Andy McNamara. If you missed any of it, check us out wherever you get your podcasts, Google, Amazon, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher, and the podcasts go up moments after every hour finishes here on Sportsnet 960. Still to come this hour, we'll hear from uh, Flames head coach Ryan Huska on a practice day for his squad. They're getting set to take on the Toronto Maple Leafs on Friday as they head east for a three-game road trip. But to kick off this hour, very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcoming our Wednesday regular here on Sportsnet today, Elish uh, Forfar joins us from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. Ailish, happy Wednesday. How are you?
2: hey good happy wednesday man what a week for canadian hockey teams like we're pumping out content for the rest of the league i tell you
1: yeah we've got just storylines abound anywhere you want to go uh we can pick it up uh i'm going to start with a a weird question for you but i know you've played uh high level hockey in your career have you ever been benched have you ever gone through the coach's doghouse (laughs) and found yourself not playing for a period
2: Oh, my God. It's funny you bring this up because the first one that you uh, mentioned is when I was, uh, that came to mind was actually I was in Calgary playing. Um, I played in the CWHL, so I was playing for the Markham Thunder. We were playing the Calgary Inferno, and it was my first time ever playing in Calgary. We were fired up. I was a rookie, and I remember, I don't know, we were playing in some random barn. I think it was actually in Canmore, but a uh, small, small rink. and. Yeah. I, I'm playing wing. I'm a fourth liner, so every chance I get, I'm like, get me! I got to do something good, <laughs> impactful, and I get the puck up uh, by the boards, and I go to to flip it out of the zone, and it goes out of out of the zone, but out of bounds too, right into the stands. And I swear the ice. Uh, the the um, glass might have been an inch taller than me. Like, this was a small children's barn. So, I get a delay of the game penalty, and I'm like, oh, crap. Like, I don't get much ice time. I sat the rest of the game. Oh, I did not God. touch the ice. This was in the first period. Oh, my God. And my coach didn't say anything to me. He's just like, uh, before far, like, you sit here. And I'm like, okay. And then, like, never skated on the ice except to go on and off for the intermissions throughout the game. Nobody talked to me. And we were up like two nothing when it happened. It's not like we were losing. Like I'll never forget that I was so uh, clearly bitter. Okay, and it <laughs> happened in Calgary. So the fact you bring it up sucks, but. And I remember being like, I don't really understand. Um, I, I should have maybe like said something during the intermission, even the girls on my team, like Olympians were like, it's all right, kid. Like it's okay, kid. Like you got this. And I'm just like, okay, okay. (laughs) Like it was so ridiculous, but you know, sometimes the coach just needs to make a statement and the statement was, don't flick the puck out of of the zone into the stands and you'll never skate again. So that's my one, that's my one memory of it. It wasn't fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't sound like it was a lot of fun. I got to admit. And, uh, I don't know if the coach was going to buy your, your board's excuse. Wasn't tall enough or anything. Like, okay? yeah, hey, coach, if this is the saddle dome <laughs> that pucks in and we're doing great. So uh, I guess that doesn't help you for the next 40 minutes or so when you're on the bench, but uh, oh. from a, from a player's perspective, it's always hard. And I know we're talking here in Calgary, obviously about Jonathan Huberto and you could see it on his face last night that it was just killing him. But when you get to a point, and it's kind of the conversation we've had here in Calgary, Ailish, is just at ten and a half million dollars a year for look the next eight seasons, including this one. Jonathan's got to find a way to have an impact because there is no like there's no trading out of this in the NHL the way that it is with the salary cap. Like this is a clearly a spot where the team and Jonathan need to do everything they can to try to make this work in Calgary, right?
2: Mm-hmm. It's it was tough to watch. Like I caught uh, most of the end of that one when he was basically he was pulling an ailish and he was sitting on the bench for the rest of that game. Uh, but to see he looked devastated and it's hard because I mean I wasn't making whatever 84 million dollars, but that's pressure that he's feeling from the fan base, from everybody that knows how tight the salary cap salary cap is, how tight. Um, you know that your team's in a bad spot in terms of the standings. Uh, you have all this expectation as a player who had millions of points, 115 points in his final year in Florida. So all of that weighing on someone, it's almost like you need to simplify. And it it that is so much easier said than done. Go out there and have a, a good couple, like, like non-impactful in any way, just like be out there and don't be a plus or a minus, just be a, it just be a, a guy that gets out there and works hard. But when he's not getting the opportunity, that weighs even heavier. I don't know what, what the solution is. Like uh, we've been talking about it here. Of course, I'm sure that's been leading your shows, but how you're going to get a player out of such a deep rut when you're not giving him the full opportunity to do so it's kind of a conundrum do you give him another chance and then he fails or do you give him no chances and then you never know if the message has sunk in so i assume that we're going to see uh this opportunity in a couple days here in toronto like we've got flames on friday and the canucks on saturday when we start talking about how important these uh, these canadian markets are feeling the the heat but i i don't know do you guys have your solution like what what would you do with jonathan huberdo because you can't trade him And he's clearly not impactful when he's on the ice and he's clearly not impactful when he's on the bench.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's been tough. We've had so many conversations. And to be honest, we've had the conversations going back to, to last year, even because it wasn't exactly a roaring start for him in Calgary last year. Daryl Sutter kind of had the comment, uh, a training camp last year that he had to figure out whether Jonathan Huberto was a, a guy that fit with Backlund, Did he fit with Kadri? Did he fit with Lindholm? And, We've kind of gone through all of those yet and we still don't have it. And the hardest part that, that we've gone through and you mentioned it there is there just isn't anything like there isn't offensive pressure. He's not creating high danger chances and the pucks just not going in for him. Like there's there's puck luck, you know, as well as anybody playing mm-hmm. hockey as, as much as you did. Sometimes the puck just doesn't bounce your way for a couple games or a while and it can be frustrating that way. He's not even getting in the position for that to happen, and it's just it's been so draining because he just isn't having an impact anywhere on the ice. And you're right, you'd love to just say, well, we're going to go out and play you 20 minutes and you're going to work your way out of this, but those 20 minutes just aren't going in the right direction for the Calgary Flames, and they need to win hockey games right now.
2: Oh, it's it's such a tough spot, and you can't do the Jack Campbell and send him down to the AHL. Uh, that that's uh, something your friends are doing uh, just a couple cities away, but it's a tough one. I mean, he has. the the pedigree which works in his favor but it also works against him when you know the type of player he could be and he has been that's even harder it's not like it's like if bedard came in and hasn't played in the nhl yet you're like okay well maybe he needs to find his footing you're not going to press the panic button on bedard but this guy's proven he can be this player already at the nhl so what's the difference is it a a new coach well you got a new one again like is it a is it a new opportunity with a new structure I, i just I, I feel I feel for you. I feel for the fan base trying to, to uncover this situation. But watch, he's going to come into town on Friday night. Probably get a hat trick against the Leafs, and we'll <laughs> fix it for you. All right? Yeah. Hey,
1: <laughs> If there's one time to show it up, it's uh, it's when your uh, former GM who signed you to that big contract oh, yeah. is watching from the press box. Right? That would be uh, that would oh, be boy. ideal for Jonathan. And I think Flames fans would love to see that. Uh, speaking of the Leafs, uh, Monday game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Sure looked like it was going to be a long night, but nice to see some fight back from that group. Austin Matthews kind of leading the way. And I don't know about you, but when the Leafs have that kind of effort against a team like Tampa Bay, that's when it starts to pique my interest about this Leafs team. And I really start to go, you guys do have it in you. It can just be so frustrating when you have a first period like that and you've got to battle your way back in because you can play with Tampa. It's just figuring out to do it from the start and and not waiting until the second and third period to turn it on.
2: It's almost like the Maple Leafs needed this a couple of weeks ago, their first game against Tampa. They go down in a very similar fashion. Elias uh, Samsonov lets in three goals on four shots. Joseph Wall comes in, and then Joseph Wall is the story for the next couple of weeks. The Leafs rally behind that. They go on this big streak, and then look, oh, Tampa Bay's in town. You get down 4-1. You you scratch your way back. You pull Elias Samsonov. Joseph Wall gets in there. It's like, okay, we, we, we know you can win that way, but how about we try winning by being up 4-1 and holding a lead? So it's, it was so interesting, the parallels between those two games against Tampa. And obviously there's like a storied rivalry between these two teams now. But you're right. It shows that fight that Maple Leafs fans have been wanting from their team on a consistent basis. You know they have it. It's that same thing with Jonathan Huberdeau. Well, why aren't you showing it all the time? Why did it take being down 4-1 and Austin Matthews putting the cape on and scoring two, getting a hat trick the night before? like it it is a very much Austin Matthews's team in terms of it's time to turn things around but we're we're complaining here a lot about secondary scoring depth most of our goals are from Matthews, Nylander, Marner and Tavares and then there's a massive massive gap and that's a story that Maple Leaf fans know pretty pretty well so if we're looking for things we've learned from Monday night's game it's you gave Matthew Nyes, who's one of our young stars, an opportunity to play on the top line, which I think people were really clamoring for, and he fit really well. You have Joseph Wall in the net, uh, assuming again tonight against the Senators. He needs to be the guy that you start actually giving the leeway to. No more you know, giving Samsonov an opportunity here to make him feel better. Like he, he hasn't been even close to the goaltender that we had hoped for, so we're lucky to have Joseph Wall playing really well right now, but there's a back-to-back this weekend, so we'll probably see Samsonov, but... Monday night is an, is an example of a, a Leafs team that has all of the pieces. It's just putting them into play in 60 minutes. They did it in about 30 minutes, and we'll take the win on that one. But, yeah, that's the frustration is streaming things together for more than a couple of periods at a time. But a big one tonight, the Battle of Ontario. Ottawa's coming in with a lot of pressure on this game, too. A lot of media attention. Uh, this is, this is going to be a really big game for both teams.
1: Yeah, it certainly is. I'm curious, you mentioned that secondary scoring in Toronto, and i got to imagine that revolves around some of the new guys, the Max Domies, the the Tyler Bertuzzi's, and I know Tyler took some, some I thought, unfair criticism because of his reaction when uh, Brad Marchand was, was sort of jawing at the the Leafs bench, and I, I think that just is what it is. I, I don't look too much as to while he's responding there, but how important is it going to be for the Leafs, Ailish, in your mind, for a Tyler Bertuzzi or a Max Domi to to find that scoring touch and to give a guy like Matthews or Marner the occasional night off when they don't have it?
2: Oh, there's lots of eyes on the newcomers. Uh, and, and, you know, it's Brad Trey Living's first kick of the can with the Maple Leafs too, but... Those guys came in with a lot of hype. Domi's obviously a well-known name here. It, it's like it would have been, it can still be the perfect story. You follow in your dad's footsteps, you become a beloved Leaf. Like the, the story writes itself, but he hasn't found that yet. He had one or two games where he really popped, but since then he's he's been quite quiet and not really a positive impact in any sense of the game. And I think he has a lot more to give for sure. I wonder sometimes, and not to give the player an excuse, but if there's a lot of pressure. And if there's a lot of pressure, sure well you have to see what kind of player you are when you play in a pressure market like that. So I think Domi certainly has a lot to give, but it's it's Bertuzzi that I think is falling short even more. He was supposed to be that top line fit for Marner and Matthews. He hasn't shown that yet. He's been moved down the lineup uh, multiple times. He's missed ice time in the end of the third periods on multiple occasions as well. I think that he has so many awesome tools in the tool bag but like he just isn't using them. It sounds familiar to some other players over in Calgary, but like, exactly. it's like, you know, it, it it's, he's a guy that's going, is betting on himself too and wants to make a lot of money. So you, you want to see that work positively for a player, like what's happening with William Melander That is not holding him back whatsoever. The idea that he could be a 9 million or $11 million player. He doesn't care. Tyler Bertuzzi has a big contract, hopefully waiting for him, but he hasn't started the season off in any sense that would want, uh, would have a team wanting to, to give him much. And then uh, of course, Ryan Reeves, uh, he's a, a big addition in terms of pay and also personality. And he hasn't done um, anything positive really. like, I, that sounds, that sounds harsh, but the underlying numbers is he's been on for, I think eight goals um, and not against and none for, <laughs> and yeah. He's playing, you know, five or less minutes every game. He was supposed to be a guy that brings energy or physicality or something. And we're still looking for what that something is. So a lot of new guys really need to find a way to fit in here. It's early in the season still. They're about to go to Sweden for a week, which would be kind of nice or a weekend. I don't know how long they're there for, but I think that, that could be good. Maybe it's coming at the right time. Get away from us, Toronto media <laughs> asking you questions all the time. And uh, you guys could go enjoy Sweden for a bit. So yeah, lots of eyes on the new guys for sure here.
1: Uh, you mentioned it's a game day for the Leafs and the Sens tonight. Uh, always fun when these two teams match up, but for the Ottawa Senators, they enter tonight uh, at the bottom of the Eastern conference. Uh, behind the Flyers, behind the Blue Jackets, behind the Habs. It's been a really dismal start to them. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about their owner's comments after his team was docked a first-round draft pick, and most recently, we've been talking about what the captain had to say about some of the negative fan reaction that the team has been getting. What did you make of Brady Kachuk's comments the other day and sort of publicly going out and and giving his coach kind of the, the okay or the support from him in the locker room?
2: really liked it. I respected it. Maybe because I I I was a player and I know sometimes you just wanna be like, Shut up, like look at we're giving it our best but He's the captain so what he says comes with a lot of weight the most weight on the team uh, of course so the fact that he had a little bit of pushback shows that he's a guy that obviously cares deeply about the success of this team he's a competitor he's a fighter and we often say we want more character we want more personalities in this game like the Kachucks are giving that to us on both both sides of the spectrum in terms of both brothers like they are giving you they talk the talk, but is he going to walk the walk tonight? I think it's going to be interesting. I believe it's their first game since those comments. A lot of eyes will be on Brady Kachuk. I'm not quite sure how the Ottawa fan base really took it. I think they understand that you know he, the problem isn't the fans booing. The problem is the team not performing. Um, it's, I don't think Brady was putting it on oh, the fans aren't believing in us. It's a moment of frustration. I think it's fine. I think it's, it's encouraged to be showing passion, showing that you care in a fan base that has really high expectations every year. They, they're that team. You want to make a a massive jump. They're the team you want to take steps forwards, to get into the playoffs, to have the battle of Ontario come come back. Like we care about that as Toronto fans, because we really want to see Ottawa make those steps. So I, I, I didn't have a problem with it. I understand if I was an Ottawa Senators fan, I might be like, well, I pay money and I come to this game, so like, don't tell me how to act. So I yeah. get it in both ways. It's like It's like when people get mad that – uh, fans boo them off the ice. I'm like, if you're a paying fan, you you can do whatever you want. But the players, they you know, this is their life too, and it it'll, it could piss them off. So we'll see how pissed off they are tonight when they come play Toronto because this one always has extra stakes. And I think that Brady's comments and the fact that the Sens are in a pretty hot seat will add to it tonight.
1: Uh, she's analyst for far. She joins us every single Wednesday here on Sportsnet today as we go across some of the biggest storylines in the NHL. Uh, here in Calgary, they won two in a row, but it was a six-game losing streak. The only thing that kept us afloat here in Calgary for a couple days, Dalish, was the fact that uh, just north of us, things have been arguably even worse for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I don't know how you felt about the Oilers coming into this season, but there are a lot of people with a lot of high expectations. You mentioned it a little bit earlier. Uh, the big news yesterday was Jack Campbell being put on waivers. He got sent to Bakersfield today. Uh, everyone's wondering if Connor McDavid is healthy, if he was kind of rushed back because of the big pressure of an outdoor game. What have you seen? What do you make of this Oilers story from afar? Because they have dug themselves quite the hole already for a team that has really, really high expectations with those two superstars.
2: It might be the Sportsnet curse because I remember the article that came out at the beginning of the season written on Sportsnet.ca and it had 20 Sportsnet personalities. I wasn't asked. Neither were you. So clearly we're not big enough deals. But nonetheless, out of the 20 people asked, (laughs) 10 of them said the Edmonton Oilers would win the Cup. 50% said that they would win the Cup. Uh, And that's not an unpopular pick across the entire NHL. But that is why this is so stunning. Two, eight, and one. They are absolutely a tire fire. And I I feel like conflicted because part of you is just like, give me this story. Let's see it all burned down. But <laughs> the, the type of talent that they have, I don't want to see another wasted season of not seeing McDavid and dry play for something. I, we love Jack Campbell here. I think that you can't find a single person that says anything negative about Jack Campbell anywhere. To say to see what's happened to his season and since he signed that massive contract is really difficult, and maybe he just needs that time to reset. But it's not on just Stuart Skinner and Jack Campbell. Like the problems are much more than their goaltending, but their goaltending is is a one for sure. But there, I think McDavid playing hurt and maybe the, the getting pushed back into. Season two quickly with that outdoor game. Like, can you imagine that that's really like if that's the real thing that happened? It's like Hmm. they needed him to be out there. I can't imagine. Like, people got to get fired for that. Um, It looks like Eckholm is injured. He's not taking as much physicality as he usually does. Like, they don't look scary anymore. Uh, They look weak and they look like they're hobbling around. And I think there's a lot to be said about. Um, their health, but also just like the system, the team defense, no bottom six scoring goaltending. Like you can go top to bottom. I mean, Jay Woodcroft's probably feeling the heat as well. Ken Holland's got to find some sort of way to continue to, to pull a rabbit out of a hat, but it's hard to watch. Um, I actually feel like you guys are probably looking even from higher up thinking, well, it eh, sucks to be you guys. Yeah. you were there a couple of weeks ago, right? Like it was a bit of a flip-flop. So each week there's a team in Canada in the hottest seat and it's definitely Edmonton. Uh, we'll see if maybe just bringing a, a new goalie up and having like kind of the slap in the face that that would send around the team to bring down your most loved guy, Jack Campbell. And you, and you have to make some difficult decisions. Maybe that's what ignites his team, but Tomorrow night against San Jose Sharks might be the most watched game of the NHL season. (laughs) Oh, no doubt. We'll be crazy. Like, oh, I think it's like, that could be the nail in the coffin. Honestly, we could be calling next Wednesday and there could be nobody left on the Edmonton Oilers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can guarantee you as soon as that game came up uh, on the schedule, everyone here in Calgary is going to be tuned in on Thursday just to see what happens. (laughs) Because look, if there's one thing that's going to make us feel better about not a great start here in Calgary, it's that, uh, the team of North is having equal, if not bigger problems. And, you know, just quickly before we go, you mentioned the goaltending thing. The common answer that we get when we talk about the Oilers here in Calgary, we got lots of Oilers fans. It's its not a surprise. It's always a great Battle of Alberta atmosphere here in Calgary. But everybody says, you know, Ken Holland's got to go out and get that goaltender, get a, a a number one. I don't know about you, Ailish. I can't think of a single team that has a number one goaltender that's interested in giving him up. Like, I don't think Tampa Bay is like, yeah, give us your best offer for Vasilevsky and we'll consider it. I would just hang up the phone. I have no reason Mm -hmm. to give away a goaltender any better than what you have. Like, no, thank you. If I have a number one goalie, I'm not giving that guy up.
2: The only thing that the Edmonton Oilers can hope for is that this pickard promotion ends up being the Bennington of the St. Louis Blues because nobody is going to see the hurt mentioned Oilers who have the ability to still go on a cup run like they are not they have Conor David hello yeah. and say let's help you out actually you know what like we feel sorry for you we'll fleece you but we'll give you a goaltender and then what they make their way into the playoffs and so they become that team that everybody was scared about yeah. I think that they there's not a market for them um, it is the hope that Stuart Skinner who has a lot of, of upside finds it and maybe Pickard does something miraculous like Jordan Bennington did, or maybe Jack Campbell gets a nice reset in, but it can't, even if your two goaltenders are mid, you still need to be able to outscore and outplay all the other teams. And I think if you're going to look at an Edmonton Oilers team, that's going to try to turn things around, the games are going to be like eight, six, and they just need to get the eight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's That's the, that's the way forward. So, I don't think any team is lining up to be like, "Let's help you out." Like, we love you. We think that you're a great team. Let's give you our our decent goaltender to help your woes. Like, there's no chance.
1: Not gonna happen. Uh, and Flames fans are more than okay with that. Uh, we'll yeah, see. You how- guys <laughs> are like,
2: huh, uh-huh. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Too bad. Uh, Alish, uh, great stuff as always. Enjoy the game tonight. Uh, enjoy the Flames in town on Friday. Excited to uh, chat with you next week once you get a first look, uh, uh, first hand look, I should say, at uh, our Flames here in Calgary.
2: We should, you know what? I'm gonna message you. We should do a wager, uh, something for Friday's game, whether it's uh, so- something we gotta hold each other accountable to because it's a big one. We don't get to play each other much, okay? <laughs> Deal.
1: Sounds like a plan. Thanks, Alish. All right. Talk Bye to now. See Bye. Yeah, Alish Forfar joining us down the Atlas speech and Sports Bar guest hotline. She's our Wednesday regular from Sportsnet 590 The Fan in Toronto. She's the host of the Fan Pregame Show uh, Leafs and Senators uh, on the NHL schedule tonight. Uh, it's a light night, just uh, three games to get to with Sportsnet. will get you covered with the Leafs and the Sens at 5 o'clock, 530. It's the Panthers and the Washington Capitals. And then Sportsnet 360's got you for the late game. It's the LA Kings in Vegas to take on the Golden Knights. When we come back, we'll get back into the Jonathan Huberto conversation. Uh, we're going to let you play fixer for Jonathan Huberto. We're going to ask the text line what their solution would be to get Jonathan Huberto Back on track. There's going to be one rule. You can't trade Jonathan Huberto. You can't put him down in the minors. How would you help Calgary's ailing superstar? That's the question we're going to ask next when Sportsnet Today returns here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. Practice day for the Calgary Flames on Wednesday. They're getting set for an Eastern Conference road trip that starts Friday in Toronto. They've won two in a row. They doubled up the Predators on Tuesday night. But of course, all anybody wants to talk about is Jonathan Huberto. He sat for the final twenty minutes. Spoke to the media earlier today. We played that for you an hour one if you missed it. Check it out on the sportsnet today, nine sixty podcast. Lots from Jonathan. You felt humiliated, it's embarrassing. Still doesn't have the confidence that he feels he needs to get to where he needs to be for this team, but he's going to keep working at it. His teammates clearly have his back and we're going to try a little exercise that involves the text line at nine, six, zero, nine, six, zero. We're going to let you be the fixer. You get to help your team out. You get to help the Calgary flames find a solution To get Jonathan Huberto going again. The only caveat to this. Is the solution cannot involve trading Jonathan Huberto. Retaining salary on a trade. Go to the minors. It has to be with him in the lineup here in Calgary. Now some of the ones that the solutions that we've heard. Or that we've talked about. That I think make a lot of sense. Are and look, these are these are all hypothetical. We're just trying to because we've asked this question so much, right? And I think that Jonathan clearly doesn't have the answer to it. But we're trying to get creative with this. Right? If you think, and there's been lots of this on the text line already, it's an idea that I, I don't hate. I don't know how you make it work necessarily cap wise given the position the Flames are in. But do you like the idea of bringing in a former linemate of Jonathan Huberto? The most notable one, the one that I think makes the most sense, given his salary, given the team that he's on, is a guy like Anthony Duclair in San Jose right now. The Sharks obviously aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Duclair's a guy that's been mentioned in the circles around Calgary before. Maybe you bring in somebody that he's used to playing with and had success with in Florida, and that's a solution that you think could help Jonathan Huberto going forward. Is there a line combination we haven't seen yet that you think can help Jonathan Huberto get back to being closer to the player that we saw during his time with the Florida Panthers. Again, I'm not talking about getting back to 115 points. I think it's fair to say for a lot of guys, that's a career best season, but get back to the guy that we know can be a point per game player, a guy that can have a positive impact on this team offensively, night in, night out. I don't think that's impossible for Jonathan Huberto to get back to. It's, it's not great right now. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. I'm not going to lie about that. It hasn't worked out for either side. But there is no... And the reason I I say that at the beginning of this, we're not going to include trade ideas for him or putting him down the mic, because that's not going to happen. And yes, I, I totally understand why people have connected the dots between Johnny Goudreau and Columbus and maybe... An uncle tweeting on Twitter about, you know, a potential... Fi- I get it. I understand. Columbus has no incentive to do that deal. It's it's just... It's not going to happen. So, I want to try to make this as realistic as possible. I, I'm sorry. I just... With a guy that's got seven years after this season, at the current production rate, I don't see a world where a trade happens. So... Finding the solution in Calgary. How do you do that if you're Jonathan Huberto and the Calgary Flames? 960, 960. We will get to your text in just a moment. First, I want to let you hear from the head coach of the Calgary Flames, Ryan Huska. He talked about the Huberto situation last night following the Flames win against the Nashville Predators, and he talked about it again today following practice. Ryan Huska not putting any fuel to the fire. He was honest about why Jonathan didn't play in the third period last night and I think has handled this situation very well so far. Let's hear from the Flames head coach following practice on Wednesday. Lots about the team and the win against Nashville, but also more on the Jonathan Huberto situation from head coach Ryan Huska.
0: So, okay. I mean, the, the story being Jonathan, like, what was the conversation he said that you guys spoke? What, what, what feedback did you give him about this? Uh, we had a, a good conversation. Um, we had a little one last night. We had another one this morning. But, I, I like, with everything, stuff like that I feel should stay um, inside. But it was positive for sure. What would you like to see him work on to get to – back to that player
1: that he knows he can be
0: um you know there there's always little things the stuff he was working on today um after practice just the little small like puck games it's and it's more so for him to feel good about uh, himself in those areas but um a, a lot of it is just it's eyebrows down and 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 get to work you know he's a really good hockey player and Everybody goes through a stretch like he went through last night at some point. I mean, we all heard the story of Tampa. They set their whole top line out one period. It happens. Um, you're not at your very best every day. It's how you respond to that is, is really what matters, and that's what's coming next.
1: What's it like talking to him and, and coaching him when he has his swagger and he has his full confidence?
0: Um, what's it like talking to him?
1: Yeah,
0: what's it like dealing with him? Um, he's, he's good all the time is the best way I can put it. So we've had good conversations when he's at his highest, and we've had good conversations when he's not feeling um, um, like he would like to feel. So he's he's good in all conversations I've had with him.
1: such a spotlight on him, um, yeah. both in this market and, and nationally. We've seen
0: you sitting him as gone, has gone. It's been a big story across the yep. country. Do you have to consider that, like the additional focus that the benching player sure. like him is going to have? Sure, but that's awesome too because um, if, if – If people weren't looking at you then you know maybe you're not considered a top player in the league but it's something that he I would kind of be honored a little bit and you have to take it the right way, and and that's the way I would look at it. Like, there's a reason why there's some pressure because he's a really good player, and we need him to be at his best all the time. And that's that's really what it comes down to. And
1: as a coach, you must be thrilled to see his teammates. I mean, the way that they've had his back, yeah. everyone we've talked to is just coming out so strongly, and that's gotta yeah. be encouraging. For you
0: Well, and it's not. It's never on one player, like ever. You know, there's a uh, some guys have tougher nights because of. Um, you know, the guy pair that they're with or, or there's something like everybody's responsible. You know, it's, you can never point the finger when you're in a team setting at one person. So we have great people in our dressing room and great people that understand each other and and they really enjoy being around each other. So they'll pick them up.
1: On a certain level, this is being interpreted as, I mean, as a message being sent that, hey, anyone can, get, can be sad if they don't do their jobs well. Is that how you want it? No, protect?
0: it's it is. It's game by game. Today's a different day now. And we move on.
1: Have you seen his play uh, yeah. evolve since he
0: got here just from over a season ago to, to now? Have you seen his game, game grow? Jonathan? Up? Yeah. Um, Leadership-wise, I mean, I've, I've seen more this year. I mean, I wasn't in the same capacity last year to notice all the different conversations and stuff, but I've been impressed with how he's handled himself and how he's handled his teammates. Like, he's a, he's a caring young man, that's for sure.
1: We know Nazem didn't have the greatest start to the year, but you still praised him for certain things that yeah. he was still doing with his work ethic. What were some things you saw, I guess, kind of around the Heritage Classic where he got that goal where he was able to, you know, do things in practice that could help him turn around to where we see him now where he's on a four-game corner
0: I don't know if it was anything in practice for Nas. I mean, that, from the beginning of the year, I could... Maybe think of one game where I don't think his work ethic was at the level where he's capable of. Like he's been really consistent in that area, and that's one of the reasons why we weren't really concerned with him. Eventually, for those type of players, uh, at times they can be streaky. And now he's he's feeling he's feeling good with where he's at. But we talked last night a little bit about it. I think he's enjoying um, his role and responsibility now too that he has. He's enjoying playing with the younger guys.
1: What what parts of that line? I'm not sure if this is going to make sense. but yeah. What what are we seeing that? those wingers are maybe drawing out of Kadri. and what are we seeing that Kadri's maybe drawing out of them?
0: Um, I think um, Naz has brought some confidence to Sharon Govich. Um, I, I think the increased ice time that um, Sharon's got as a result of playing with Naz has helped him feel better about himself for sure. And I think with um, Connor in particular, there's a young guy that needs a lot of guidance. And I think that's one of the things that he's drawn out of Naz is a responsibility of being a leader and helping someone along. And it doesn't mean that you're going to just pat him on the back. It's okay. He's challenging him in the right way. Uh, and that's what I really like about where Naz is at right now.
1: That is Ryan Huska, in practice on Wednesday. Lots more on Jonathan Huberto and the benching uh, Tuesday night against the National Predators in a bit there on Nazem Qadri and uh, the line that has been buzzing for the Flames since they were put together, Nazem Kadri with Connor Zeri and Yegor Sharon Govich. Wanted to play that for you uh, before we head to the text line at 960-960. We're asking you to play Fixer for Jonathan Huberto. How do you see this getting back on track? What moves would you make? Is it bringing in a former line mate? Is it asking him to, to see a sports psychologist? Is it uh, a certain line that you'd like to see together that we haven't maybe seen a lot of this year. Uh, 960960 if you're listening live, we've got lots of text to get through here at 960960 again. The only caveat to this is the solution can't include trading Jonathan Huberto sending him to the minors that's just not a realistic option at this point so we're keeping that part out of it. Let's get to the text line 960960 First text that comes in Uh, Hubie had great chemistry with Pelche. Hope he recovers soon or trade for Hubie's old line mates from Florida. The Pelche one's really interesting to me and one that I think is a very viable option when Jacob's back and healthy. And I hope that sooner than later, uh, the timeline was I think like a four to six month recovery from that kind of surgery. Uh, So we're not, yet on the precipice of of Jacob returning to the lineup, which is disappointing on a number of levels. But the chemistry that those two had last year was undeniable. And clearly Jacob loved playing with Jonathan and loved being his teammate and was clearly somebody that he looked up to. And I think Jonathan Huberto was starting to like we kind of heard from Nazim Qadri there from the head coach Ryan Huska was kind of enjoying being the big brother or the guy that takes somebody under his wing. And look, it's not going to help us right now because Jacobs, and when I say us, I mean the flames. It's not going to help them right now because Jacobs not healthy enough to play, but when they do get healthy, I would love to see the two of them back together. I think that's a, a very solid option to look at. Uh, this text comes in, says Huberto with Backlund and Coleman for the rest of this Eastern conference road trip. Um, <laughs> uh, A number of you have sent this in, uh, including Dennis and Sean. Uh, fixing Huberto is easy. Just trade for Alexander Barkoff. Dennis says, bring in Barkov. It's very simple. Uh, I don't think it's that simple as much as you gentlemen might think it is. I don't think it's that simple. Uh, Larry in Calgary says, let Huey pick who he wants to play with for a week or so. Show some positive reinforcement, not only uh, a period. This one says, trade Lindholm for Bennett, then go out and get Anthony Duclair. If you want to recreate that line, I, I suppose that's one option. Uh, Jeremy uh, says, uh, to get Hubie going, I would get a hands-free headset and put Peltry on the other line while playing. He could totally pump his tires during the game. Uh, this text says, we as fans need to rally behind Hubie like we did for Lucic. Uh, another text, back in the uh, vein of Hubie with Coleman and Backlund. Um, this this text. This is a classic text, and my producers can understand this because sometimes we get really funny texts here, uh, and you guys, Cam and Taylor, on the text line all the time. Uh, I should have clarified the rules a little bit more because this text just says, "Are Peds on the table?" No, no. I think those are illegal in the NHL. No, we're not. Um, I don't think you can do no that. No drugs. No trades and no drugs. I should have clarified that earlier. Like, we shouldn't have to clarify that we're not going to pump mean, them. Full I mean, the something
2: meetings. within Look, the NHL rules. I,
1: like, I, for one, enjoy the fact that we're thinking outside of the box. Okay? I don't want to stifle our creativity. I just think it needs to be legal. Right? Like Taylor said... Let's let's keep it with within NHL rules. I I like the creativeness of you know getting getting a direct feed from Belchier into his ear. But yeah, like a Bluetooth thing. Like I get that. But maybe some of that, the stuff that's getting sent in right now, we can't even read this on air, man. <laughs> like like I don't. Um, we're not going to do HGH. I'm sorry. I I don't know that that's going to help. We're also not going to do it. Um. Yeah. Some like. The the Tanya Harding reference, like that's not, no. Um, <laughs> it's just I just left Peds on the table. No, Peds aren't on the table. Uh, okay, let's uh <laughs> let's do this. We'll try to get back on track. Uh, this says uh, where did I, I lost my spot here? Okay, uh, need him to find a linemate that works. Look at what Zeri did for Kadri. Thought him and Pelche would be a good mix with useful energy. Maybe a hope down the road after injury, but maybe he can help bring energy to a line with him. Uh, Sandy says, playing with two kids, it worked to get Kadri going. Uh, This one says, not much you can do with Huberto. In my mind, he needs to play on a top line and power play. Fingers crossed he comes out of this. This one uh, from Kevin uh, says, uh, we may have to wait a few weeks for uh, a line to come for him. He really seemed to like playing with Pelche, The third player on that line uh still up for debate. Uh this one says try the line Hubert with Backlund in the middle and Lindholm on the right side. Uh this one says love the idea of Duclair coming to the flames. He brings speed and grit. I think we move on from a guy like Dubay, maybe give up a second or third round pick to get him going. Uh, to get him here, excuse me. Uh this one says uh Graham in the tractor says uh keep doing what the flames are doing. Bench him again if you have to. Then healthy scratch. If there's no change, then why not waivers? I don't like going to get Duclair. Can the Flames afford to keep catering to him? Well, first of all, the waivers thing isn't on there because he's got a no move clause. He he can't be sent down to the to the minors. Like this isn't the same situation as Jack Campbell. The part of the contract that he got from Brad for Living in the last regime was included a no move clause. So it's not just that I I don't think that's a viable option right now. For the situation that Jonathan's in, I don't think that's the solution right now. It also just can't help him. They just they can't it can't happen. He's not gonna he's not gonna waive to go down to the Wranglers for a couple of weeks. Uh, lots more on Pelche. Bring back the French connection. When Pelche's back, find another youthful player to feed his enthusiasm until Pelts is back. Uh, this one says, in my opinion, Huska has created a worse situation for the team and Huberto. The whole team is playing well, and who knows? Maybe Hubie plays well along with everyone and it gets him out of this funk. We'll never know. But now he's created a huge distraction by benching this player. You bench bottom six players, not top players. You just don't do it. I disagree with that. I, I really do think that for Ryan Huska, this this isn't a team of superstars, regardless of of the pay scale and the fact that Jonathan is the highest paid player on this team and the highest paid player this team has ever paid. I think the message has to be the same for everybody. I really think that if you're not performing, if you're not up to snuff on any given night, I think the coach has every right. And I think should use that power to say, Hey, if you're not going, I'm going to go with somebody else. We're in the business of winning hockey games. And if you're not helping us do that, we're, we're going to, we're going to play other players. And it doesn't always mean a benching, or a healthy scratch. I, I just th- and I think Ryan's handled this great from the, the beginning. Last night, the first question posed to him wasn't about the game, wasn't about the win, wasn't about Zary or Kadri, It was immediately about Jonathan Huberto. And he didn't put any fire or, or any gas on the fire, excuse me. He just handled it uh, like I think you should as a coach in this situation. He was honest about why Jonathan didn't play, but was also very confident that this was going to be something that they're going to work through. And frankly, I think it's something that they have to work through um, here in Calgary to get things going. Uh, lots of texts at 960-960. Uh, this one says trade for Duclair. uh, Peltier, uh is my vote for this. Uh, this one from Jamie says he needs a Tony Robbins session to pump his confidence back up. Um, what else we got here? This is trade Vardar for Duclair. Helped open the ice for him in Florida. Plus we can bring Wolf up and get him some NHL experience. That from Scott in Calgary. Uh, This one says, "Um, Grady from Calgary for Huberto real shame. Shillington or Poirier can't be in the lineup and we didn't keep Stetcher. Seems like an active D was a big part of his 115 point season. Trade for an active D or wait for Poirier and make some adjustments to your system to lean towards his style. When he's on the ice, get him back to basics, forget the points, stop the high risk passes, Just keep the smart, easy ones. Take care of your own end and outwork whoever you're up against on the ice. A psychologist probably also smart if he's not doing that already. Uh, This one says, bring up Matthew Phillips to play with him. Or uh, never mind. Uh, This one says, "Pelche was Hubert Ozeri to Kadri. Uh, Send him on a retreat. No practice. No hockey talk. Get out. Blow some steam off and he'll be fine. That one from Todd. Um, something about the morning show talking about him going out and uh drinking with Lindholm. Uh, Kevin from St. Albert says, Yep, absolutely, we need that French connection back with Jacob Peltier. Uh, this one says, How about Huberto with Lindholm and Ruzichka? Seemed to work for a short time, then Daryl took Rosie out of the lineup, and we never saw it again. Um, This one from Troy says, Hey guys, the mission is in the preseason. Let's create our own line. Similar to his line in Florida. Have Dubé at center aligned with Huberto. Bring Coronado back up. Dubé is not dissimilar to the game that Bennett played. Coronado with his shot can be a Duclair. Speed and youth for Jonathan to mentor. That one from Troy. Lots of your texts at 960-960. As we sort of put a wrap on this. I think that the biggest thing going forward is, that I think is a positive. And if you missed it, if you missed Huska talking about it today, or you missed hearing from Jonathan earlier after practice on Wednesday, really go back and listen to it. I'm sure the guys on Flamestalk are going to dive into this topic as well, but I like how the organization has handled this. I think this was the right decision. I think Ryan Huska has to establish his spot as the leader uh, from the coaching position and has to make those tough decisions when guys aren't going right. And that doesn't just apply to Jonathan. I think that applies up and down this flames lineup. But I, I do think that having the mindset that this is a guy that needs to figure it out in Calgary, because there aren't, there just aren't options right now. It's, it's, it's gotten to a point where, where the salary cap is the amount of money that Jonathan's got left on this deal the lack of production, a trade's just not going to happen. As much as it might be fun to to think about a, a Goudreau reuniting in Calgary for a Hubert swap, it, it's just not going to happen. You have to make the best of this situation. I think the Flames are, are trying to do that. I think Jonathan's trying to do that. I don't know the answer. I appreciate that we had some fun with it here on the text line, uh, and you guys sent in all your thoughts, and we're trying to take a positive spin at this because, look, whether you believe it or not, and you're free to disagree with me, the guy's the guy wants to succeed here. He really does. He he's putting in the effort. His teammates feel for him. Uh, his coaching—I know the coaching staff wants him to figure it out. It, it just hasn't happened yet. I don't. I still don't believe that you just lose that ability. That a trade from Florida to Calgary changes the dynamics and the skill level that he has. I still think there's a way. To figure this out, do I have the answer yet? No, but I think that they're going to work towards finding it, and I, I think it's going to be a positive step forward. And I think the more positive energy the fan base brings to it, um, and I get it's it's hard because you want to win and you want to see guys produce, but I think the more positive angles you can take to this and try to get behind the guy, I, I think that's going to go a long way to helping him get back uh, to those results. Again, thank you for all your interaction on the text line if you were listening live. Uh, and text it into 960 960. I appreciate it very much. Uh, thank you for listening, with a live or on the podcast today. Thanks to our two guests, Andy McNamara and Alyss Forfar. Uh, we heard from Ryan Huska and Jonathan Huberto on the show today. If you missed any of it, catch it on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher still to come tonight. Grill Kipper and Borns coming up next. We've got Flames Talk with Steinberg and Gilbertson. Uh, NHL Hockey. On your TVs, sends Toronto uh, from T.O. 5 o'clock start across the Sportsnet Television Network. 8 o'clock, it's the Kings and the Golden Knights on Sportsnet 360. We will be back tomorrow for a Thursday edition. Shout out to my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, for their great work today. Enjoy your Wednesday evening. We'll be back on Thursday here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.